0: what's up everybody peter here today we have a very special edition of the you'll hear It podcast a conversation with saxophonist composer and educator sherelle cassidy that i had just a few minutes ago That i'm super excited to present to you guys but it's also a first take friday because we got to listen to the first take from her new record called fearless wonderful cut called whimsy with some great side men and uh, great performances from sherelle so i think you're going to enjoy both the discussion and the music so now i present to you a conversation with sherelle cassidy What's going on, Sherelle? Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm good. Thank you, Peter. It's so great to be
2: here.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful to have an esteemed guest, um, but most importantly, a player, an educator, fellow musician. And um, I know you're in town here in St. Louis for a couple of days doing some teaching. How's that going for you so far?
2: It's
1: great. It's great working with all the students of Webster Groves High School. Yeah. uh, Being in St. Louis again, close to family
0: yeah good stuff good stuff so you are just up the road from us um i'm super jealous anytime i get to talk to a musician from chicago because it is one i know you're not originally from chicago but you've been there for a minute now and i'd love to get your take on the scene there because i i always love chicago every time i played there like just the audience the energy the history i mean we got some stuff happening here in st louis but i mean chicago's like to me, it's like New York, Chicago, New Orleans, then the list sort of gets a little bit shorter. So how, how has your time been, been there since, how, how many years have you been in Chicago now?
1: I've been there for four years. Four
0: years, okay. And so I you're like a local. It. Yeah, I'm becoming,
1: <laughs> yes, I'm becoming, and I, I love it because the scene supports me so much. The radio station, the Hyper Jazz Society, so many mm-hmm. um, different organizations, in Chicago support me very much and and we'll say Chicago's own, which is really nice it's a nice feeling yeah Um, there's so much support for the music and for artists who are alive and out there doing it yeah in Chicago and um, the audience like you said is incredible when you play at a venue in Chicago it's mostly a Chicago audience of people who just love jazz Mm. and a lot of these people are well versed in jazz they know a lot about jazz and uh, so it's really nice to have that kind of uh, community
0: yeah Yeah. Now, so have you found it? Have you found yourself stylistically, like changed or or nuances changing since you moved from New York to Chicago to adapt to that really serious? I mean, you know, the Chicago audience, they know what they want. And the blues might be like one of those things. But like, have you felt yourself change yet in terms of style?
1: Absolutely. Um, I've seen a shift Um, in New York. I lived in New York for 16 years. And I love New York, too. Um, But it was more about uh, burnout and technique and, mm. and you know, being quirky or tasteful or, you know, certain things. In Chicago, you've got to play blues. You've got to be in the pocket. Mm. You've got to make the audience feel something. Yeah. And when you can make that connection, that's an amazing feeling. So for me, uh, the last few years have been this uh, paradox of trying to combine the two things, the, the two different Ways of playing.
0: Right, right, right. Now, how was it coming back? Because I know you grew up a lot in the Midwest. You're from Iowa originally, mm-hmm. but you primarily grew up in Oklahoma. That's right. right. Oklahoma's Midwest, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. I always forget. I'm like, where's the line there? But I mean, did you find that? I mean, Chicago to me is kind of the, the the prototype, you know, leader Midwestern kind of city. But it's its own thing too. But did you? Was that kind of like coming back to your roots a little bit too?
1: I feel now I I look at that and I think that that's true. When I first made the move to Chicago, I wasn't necessarily thinking Midwest. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more strategically, okay, there's an international airport, my in-laws live there, it's yeah. a great jazz scene. Um, and it was a kind of a combination of things that I needed at the time. But yeah, it's great in, in a lot of ways to be back in the Midwest. Um, I also miss some things about the East Coast. I wish there was a place where you could have it all mm. in, in one, but Chicago is actually a great blend of that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree I was just thinking like Chicago It's got a lot of the, the The advantages And kind of idiosyncrasies Of the Midwest But it is truly an international city And, uh, and, and I think the level of musicianship I'm always amazed there I mean a lot of musicians That, that I know you've worked with there And I have as well uh, But then every time I go there There's like new younger musicians And like it's pretty deep there Especially on the jazz side
1: It's really deep There's so many great rhythm sections there are some um, insanely great saxophone players and horn players, and there's this level of mentorship that's happening there that I'm not seeing so much in New York. When I arrived in New York, it was happening. People like Vincent Herring mm. um, were running jam sessions and really pulling the coattails of the young players. Yeah. But uh, now, I don't see it so much in New York uh, these days, and in Chicago, there's so many elder musicians that are mentoring. Um, The younger musicians coming up, they're coming out to the gigs, they're recording, they're taking notes, they're saying, what can I work on this week, Miss Cassidy? Yeah. You know, uh, so it's really great to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so you've been involved, um, I I think, you know, talking about mentorship and jazz education uh, on a really deep level at, at some of the most, you know, hallowed and important institutions. How do you see... Um, I mean, you went to the you went to the new school for undergraduate, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then you went to Juilliard, you know, for master's. So you really kind of had that that New York, you know, top shelf experience with other great players and the best teachers and everything. How do you see jazz education and how it's shaping, you know, your generation of musicians and then the next generation come along as you're teaching them with it being in this more formalized setting somewhat where there's access to great players one-on-one and, and you know, mentorship with you know, small groups and stuff. I mean, stuff that I would have loved to have. When I, I mean, when I went to Juilliard, I had to lie and tell my piano teacher that I wasn't even playing jazz. He's like, if you're playing jazz, you can't study with me. He's like, I don't want to. He's like, that's going to mess up your technique. And he was a great teacher, Martin Cannon. I mean, legend. i would learned so much from him. But I mean, like, things have changed really quickly. How, how did that affect you? And then how, what are you using from what you learned from that to affect the next generation now?
1: You're right. They have changed very quickly, especially, I would say, in the last 15, 20 years. Um, I, too, started out as a classical musician, and I thought that I had to completely give up classical to play jazz. And mm. I did for 20 years, and I'm just now coming back to it. Um, but going through all these different institutions uh, that I was fortunate to, to attend, uh, for me at the time, in, in my brain, a 20-year-old brain, it was mm-hmm. my way of being in New York mm. and, and playing. We didn't have a 52nd Street. We didn't have... A space where we could all go play all the time. I was still hanging out at Smalls and Cleopatra's Needle and all the spots to to hang out and play, Um, but it was kind of my way of being in the city. Later when I went to Juilliard I realized, okay, I'm getting this real education. Um, The new school was was also good, Um, but when I went to Juilliard it was a different type of education of digging back in the history and I wanted validity. I wanted to know from the beginning of jazz to modern jazz and and really do some digging to find out who I was and where I was coming out of specifically Um, but jazz education it's it's in a place now that's way better than it was
2: Mm.
1: we have more real uh, I don't say real but more professional musicians in the colleges in the universities than ever and I think that's a great thing um, as long as these musicians are also hip to education and some pedagogical techniques of teaching and not going on tour all the time and I think that's sort of ending and we are getting a lot of professionals now that are really interested in education Um, like yourself this is a fantastic program open studio is an amazing program um, by professional musicians you know incredible musicians world-class musicians and if you go to the conservatories now such as Juilliard Manhattan School Berkeley has you know great musicians um, any of these these schools, you're going to find world-class musicians. Um, I'm very fortunate to be at DePaul. It's a similar situation in the Midwest. DePaul has great musicians um, running the program. The heads of the program and the faculty are professional musicians. And, and I think that's a great thing. Um, so I think that has changed. But I think what is starting to be missed is the real-life experience of jazz, where students, now anybody can learn jazz if they have the money or the talent to go to a school and get a scholarship or pay for it. Anyone can learn it if they go to the right Mm -hmm. school. But it goes back to that thing that Charlie Parker said, if you don't live it, it doesn't come out of your horn. Mm. So if if you're not, for one, if if you don't know why you play, then we have a lot of more people than ever playing jazz, but not knowing why they play. Or if you're not going out on the scene to um, take part in the community of jazz, which is also really important, and learn from the people that are out on the scene, then you're also missing this aspect of community. And it seems like, you know, everyone's in their little box learning how to play jazz. Uh, and I don't think that that's what the music is about either.
0: But that, that community aspect, I mean, you've, for me, you've hit right on it and that word and that approach. And even like what you said, when you went to the new school, it was about, Oh, I want to get to New York where I can be a part of a community and find that community. And that was the same Mm -hmm. for me. It was just like a conduit to this mythical, well, I guess it wasn't mythical. It was a real place. But I think in our minds, I'm sure it was like, Oh, we're going to find the new 52nd street. But I think like Cleo's and, and smalls and, and, you know, Mesro and all these places now, and it's always Mm -hmm. cyclical. And the younger musicians always like, Oh, it wasn't like when you guys were coming up, but there's always, you know, it's also up to the younger players to make it happen too. But I think that that, you know, those are just places, Bradley's. I mean, like I caught the very mm-hmm. tail end of Bradley's and that was amazing, but it was it was never just the place. It was about the community and connecting with musicians from, you know, well now all around the world that are coming together for the music. And, you know, I wonder if young, younger musicians and especially ones coming up now, um, and that, you know, have had to kind of adapt to the, you know, pandemic and quarantine period where it's like everybody was separate and stuff kind of stopped for a while. Um, You know, how do you keep that community going? And then how do we come back together? But even on a bigger thing with jazz education, like, how do we keep them from getting into this mentality of like, well, I can sit at home and learn everything, you know, from open studio, from wherever, Mm -hmm. and I don't need to go out and, you know, I can listen to the records and I have all this access, but you do still need that community. You need that connection. You need to create what the next great thing is, Not, not just study what the past is.
1: Right. And I hear so many people have excuses for not going out. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get vibed. Oh, I don't feel good <laughs> enough. You know, right. Whatever it might be, or I don't need to go out. Yeah. <clears throat> I hear that too. And really, ultimately, it should be getting about getting past those things. The music is about resilience. The music is about getting past roadblocks and burdens and and things mm-hmm. such as this. So if if you're not going out for these simple little, or maybe anxiety or depression, whatever it, you know. And and those things are real things, but the music is actually about pushing past those things and creating something beautiful out of it, creating joy or expressing um, how you're feeling. And so you have to learn to be a conduit in the midst of all of these um, these roadblocks.
0: Yeah, that's that's spot on. And I think I think about like, you know, if you love the music and you want to be connected with it and see if your contribution, you know, make your contribution. To the music like you use that energy to get past you know as you say these very real things anxiety I mean, when we're young and coming up we don't know what we're doing and it's hard to like reach out i mean you don't know how many young musicians are like man i want to um be in touch can i get your email or phone number and i'll give it to them and i never hear from them and i get it because i know that they're like i mean not that i have any secret scrolls or anything to give them anyway but i mean I, I do worry about younger. I look a lot of young people now. They're afraid to m- make a phone call, right? So that's like I, mean, I got kid. I got kids that are around that age, so I get it. But you've you've got to get over. I think that like you've got to let whatever fear, social anxiety you have, be trumped by your love of the music and figuring out because we anybody can be connected. Anybody can be connected with the music, and I think that I'm sure you know this better than anybody else. Like it comes down to if you can play and if you can bring something to the bandstand. And, and so I would just encourage, look, like I'm getting on my soapbox. Sorry. Sorry about that. But, you know, it's Go like ahead. encourage young folks to reach out and stuff, I think, the way that we did when we were coming up in, 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 in different ways. Um,
1: and, and I was um, actually not brought up to reach out. The one thing I could do was show up and play. Mm. Even if I was shaking or palms were sweaty, you know, yeah. everyone gets nervous, I would still play. Mm. But the one thing I wasn't taught was to ask. And it took actually a colleague of mine at Juilliard to dial Jimmy Heath's phone number and put it up to my ear. Wow. And that's how I ended up playing with Jimmy Heath. Wow. Was that one phone call. Mm. Uh, or writing emails um, for endorsements, even for for gigs. And I wasn't one to ask. Yeah. And so I think that's also, like you said, very important to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you did, I mean, even you, even if somebody else dialed the phone, you made the call yeah. still, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, I mean, what, what a touch point and what like a, a possible pivot point in your life, you know? I mean, Jimmy Heath, it's like, that's that, that connection with the legacy, with the music and that opportunity. But as you say, it's it's the ask. And I think that um, we, we have to, that has to be part of the education process for the younger folks that we give them, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I also um, meet students where I ask them, what's your favorite bass player alive that you've seen? What's your favorite trumpet player alive that you've seen play? And oftentimes, they'll mention someone that's been passed away for 20 years right or or 50 years you know <laughs> right um and i say no that's alive and they yeah. haven't seen somebody alive right. that they've listened to
0: right right right
1: that's very important too
0: yeah i heard a, a, a great i won't name who name was a great jazz pianist in an interview recently it was like they were asking him about you know young jazz pianists and he listed some different people. And I was one of the ones that he listed. And I, and I was thought I was like, really? There, you, there's some great, great, great young jazz pianists out here, but I'm not one of them. Um, there's, you know, I, I mean, it's just that whole thing of like, you know, to the point of like, let's look at something a little bit more contemporary. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about great trumpet players, of course, Louis Armstrong is the OG. And that's where it all flows from. But, you know, that's not, it, it doesn't stop. And Louis Armstrong didn't want it to stop with him, you know, and there's so much great stuff to be celebrated nowadays, and, and I think that, I am very encouraged though by like the, 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 you know, kind of early 20s musicians now in New York and Chicago and other places, um, and like Tokyo, different places I've traveled, and I'll go out and hear music. Like, I think that the scenes are really happening, and that there's a lot of great stuff. I think they need to do a better job of celebrating that and connecting. And I think all of us need to, because I mean, it's this music doesn't have an age. You see all these great groups with people of different age, and that's the way it should be. But I think young people coming together and making local scenes and really pushing the envelope, you know, exploring new venues and stuff is important. And a lot of times even for them they look back at previous generations I mean I get a lot of stuff because I came up in that early 90s kind of Young Lions thing a lot of younger players are like oh man I wish I could have come up then man that was so cool with you guys and I was like I wish I could have come up now like you guys where you can just like go online and create a, a live stream performance anytime. like if you don't have a gig you can just make a gig in, at your house you know I know it's not the same but we didn't have that option so maybe that helped us in a way we had to go out there and hustle in a way but I think that there's a lot of exciting things that are happening and can happen and I wanna always encourage them to do things their own way, because it's not the early 90s, thank God. We're not all wearing fanny, well actually they are wearing fanny packs again. (laughs) That's a problem. But I mean, you know, each, each kind of era has its thing and when I actually hear the players, um, and I mean, I, I fall victim to that, too. People are like, what young piano players? I'm like, well, I love Sullivan Fortner, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan Batiste. I've known these guys since they were teenagers. I mean, they used to come to my house in New Orleans. But then I think about it, I was like, wait, those guys are like in their early 30s. They're not even that young anymore. That young... There's like, you know, there's... Young... I'm like, well, Jared Clay. I was like, oh, well, he's not... But these That's are all folks... Yeah, but these are folks that I've known mm-hmm. since they were they were super young. But then there's all the other ones coming up. And there's always going to be great players coming up. And I'm, I'm never worried about that.
1: But you know... The young line movement and it influenced me greatly hearing Mm. you on um josh redmond's live at the vanguard spirit Mm. in a moment Mm -hmm. that was a huge inspiration before i was really even playing that was the second cd i owned wow and um yeah so you're such a huge part of the jazz history for me
0: wow yeah well thanks and i mean um speaking of that we're gonna get to listen to some of your music because you are an incredible player and i'll just say that you know we got a chance to play together a few years ago right about a block from here mm-hmm. at the uh, Jazz at the Bistro, Jazz St. Louis, on a really memorable gig. Uh, and I'm looking forward to us playing again in the Me very too. new future, I hope, because you're just a monster player. And I think a lot of our listeners probably have heard you. But for those of our um, very astute listeners, well, you know what? They're not astute if they haven't heard you. But now they're going to get a ch- chance to hear you. If they're astute, they're going to keep up with you because you're really one of the um, you know top players out there, Chicago, New York, or otherwise. So I was thinking if it's okay with you, can we listen to something from Fearless? Sure. Okay. So this is an album. This came out. You guys recorded this last year. Is that correct? I believe in or was released uh, last year it
1: was released last year it was in summer of 2019 we recorded it
0: okay and then 2020 was like a very long year so (laughs) that year kind of started all blending um but you know we do a little little thing here called first take friday so this will actually kind of segue in nice and you will be our first official in-studio guest to do this um but we like to take the first track of albums like basically adam and i like to contradict ourselves because we're always like you got to listen to albums all the way through and i'm a big believer i don't know how you feel about that but like i and not that i always do this but i definitely didn't come up in the in the era of like you just jump around from one track to another i'm like if an album is worth listening to it can really tell a story when you go all the way through um but i think this hopefully this track will pique people's interest and i invite them to acquire it, Um, and we'll have a link below to buy it, or you can check it out on Spotify, um, and that kind of thing. But the first track, can you kind of just tell folks a little bit about that this is Whimsy, and this is your composition, right? It is, and it's,
1: like you said, it tells a story. This is the beginning of the story, the beginning of this long um, journey. And the original title for for this was actually Begin Again, but Nora Jones took that in the same year. (laughs) So I retitled it Whimsy because it has this playfulness to it, Uh, so you might hear kind of elements of both both titles.
0: Okay, got it. All right, so here we are, Whimsy, and this is um, Mark Whitfield Jr. on drums, mm-hmm. Richard Johnson on piano, ever heard of him? Um, <laughs> Alex Claffey on bass, and Sherelle Cassidy, saxophone leader and composer of Whimsy. Hold on, let me get back to the very beginning. Okay, here we go. That's Whimsy from Sherelle Cassidy's Fearless. I sound like a NPR jazz uh, DJ there or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. That is, that's, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to add, okay. Can I just sort of lay out my ideas on this and then you can tell me how sure. off base I am oh. or, or not. My, my first impressions now full disclosure, this is, I've actually heard this before, but I'm kind of coming back to it. Um, like I, I love this as a first track because I can hear a lot of what's going to happen in the album. I feel like it's a great introduction and kind of like maybe some foreshadowing and kind of like, you know, this is the appetizer, but you get a little bit of the flavors of what's to come you know, in terms of the composition, in terms of your playing and leadership. And then also, you know, with some individual stuff with all the different players and stuff was, was is, am I am I spot on on that? You're or is on that point. okay, okay yeah. now? Did, did you do that on purpose or did that just kind of unfold as you were making the record or do you remember
1: the, the record itself kind of unfolded? Okay, the tunes somehow ended up just unfolding into this kind of story. And that that was the beginning. Okay. Um, and to me, when I hear that song again, it's about change because inevitably everything changes. And, it, and in those moments of change, I called it whimsy because you, it's, I think it's healthy to keep a whimsical sort of attitude, not to be tied too much to anything in particular, and just be open for what may come.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and it, okay, so it's interesting. So you start out with the melody, it's super like relaxed, it's like swinging, but it's like very like, you know, it's lilting. You Mm -hmm. know, and then when you go into your solo, you're just like, I mean, talk about change. Like you go right in. You don't transition. You're like right in the pocket. You're pushing, you know, uh, Mark Whitfield Jr., you know, gets on top. Like there's really good interplay between you guys. Richard, like the comp and like you guys are dialed in. But in a way that, you know, with this kind of, you know, I love listening to stuff like great musicians play where we can really concentrate. We got the headphones on in here. We're dialed in. But like you can feel the energy like, in fact, as it started to go, to me, it feels like it's speeding up. It's not, mm-hmm. but like the energy's speeding up. And so that was like my next thing. It was like, oh, okay, we're going to go somewhere quickly. This is not going to be like a slow transition. Like, she's jumping right in. Mm-hmm. And I love that everybody listened to you and that that, that was – because that's stuff that you can't like program in or say well, we're going to overdub or we're going to tell everybody, hey, we're going to lift the energy here. Like, you can feel that that interaction between you guys.
1: Exactly. That's right.
0: And so that was, yeah, that was the first thing that struck me on the solo and you're just like, you you know, your sense of groove and then you're navigating these really interesting changes, both the kind of changes you were just talking about in terms of like life changes, but you've you've there's a little bit of connection between the actual mm-hmm. chord changes and how they shift around. Uh, but then you're you're pulling out some interesting blues stuff at the same time, like within your phrases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Richard like kind of catching some of that with the comping, which is really fun. And so I mean, this is this is the type of track and album I would just encourage everybody to check out. But also will really reward you as all, as do all great albums and great performances with repeated listening because you can kind of hear it through different different lands. And I'm sure next time I hear it, I hear different things as well. How 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 do you how do you do? Because I I hate listening to my stuff. You were kind of I mean you weren't like jumping up and down, but you were enjoying it. You seem like you have a good sense of like being able to enjoy what you've done.
1: Okay, full disclosure on my part, it is hard.
0: <laughs> okay, um, okay, good. I feel better because I'm like man, I could never be that relaxed and listen to my stuff. But but I've
1: learned um, actually something Orrin Evans said to me really struck once on one of his gigs is if you don't like what you play, how can you expect someone else to? Mm. So I've tried to learn to appreciate the things that I do like about what I play and what I do. Um so when I listen back, you know, it's it's not as painful. Okay. Uh, the things that I'm missing because at the time I recorded this, um I was also going through some um physical things where I was dealing with some mild paralysis in my hands and it wasn't mm. doing exactly what my mind, you know, told my hands to do and mm. so I was fighting through that through this album um before I was diagnosed and treated and and um it was a little bit frightening. Mm. You know, to think when I recorded this that this would be my last album. Wow. That's, I recorded it when I did because I wasn't sure if I would be able to record down the road even wow. three months later. So um, I did it and when I listen back, I listened to a different person than I even heard two years before that or wow. two years before that, you know. Yeah. And so um, it's interesting just to hear the change and then think about where I am now. And you know, um, when you listen to your own music, you hear all these different things That i think other people just don't have the reference of of hearing
0: yeah absolutely well that's well okay i understand the 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 title track and the title to the album being fearless (laughs) that makes some sense too (laughs)
1: had i known we were gonna have a pandemic and (laughs) it maybe take on another meaning i would have retitled it maybe but yeah fearless uh meaning you just have to push through things it doesn't mean you don't have fear yeah just means you have to be fearless
0: yeah it's great that's great stuff um yeah and then the other thing i thought that was really interesting on this track was that, you know, there was there was a gr- there was great balance to it. There was there there was like the predictability of kind of how the form went, which I really like. Like in terms of like, you know, it went right into the saxophone solo, which is kind of predictable. But then there was balance in that you kind of attack the solo in a kind of an unpredictable way. So it's like mm. it kind of makes you turn your ear in and be like, oh, okay, so she's going there. Let's see if the- okay, that's where they're going. So it's not just like. E- e- it's not like maybe the most expected way to start the solo. So it makes, to me, to an attentive listener, want to hear even more and then it went to the piano solo which is in terms of the form it's kind of predictable that it would go there but it was a killing solo and like he kind of stayed in there in a way and was almost still interacting with you as even when you weren't playing which was cool and then you played the melody and then it was so funny because i was hoping i was like oh i hope they go to some kind of vamp because i want to hear mark Jr. and then you went to that but it was like it was a balance between the kind of predictability of good things. It's like you're eating a meal and it's like, oh, I hope this happens. And then there's some unpredictability, but there's also some things you can kind of hold on to. And I think that, you know, you guys can do that because the level playing is so high. I'm like, when some of these albums that come out and I hear, and like, you can just tell they're trying to be tricky at every turn. And then there's not always a lot of substance to the playing, and so like they have to do that kind of thing. But I just thought it was it was a really well balanced track. Which I don't, for me, I don't think every track on an album has to be have great balance. But I do think that the first track it's important to have that because you're setting the tone for the. And then you can like a great track like this. It's kind of like you can go anywhere you want afterwards, you know, because you've you've opened up some different doors, but you've also kind of welcomed people in and and not maybe given the the most unpredictable stuff Yeah, you you know i'm sure you're going to get to that later absolutely so um well great well i encourage everyone to check this out this is fearless from Sherelle cassidy thank you so much for being here on the on the pod there, there was this other guy who sometimes is sitting over here named adam something i don't think we need him anymore if you're available he might have just I lost a job
1: drive to st louis <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly
2: no.
0: so um you can where should folks go sherellecassidy.com i know you got a really nice website Mm -hmm. they can check you there what about social media is there a particular place you want to direct people if they want to interact with you twitter instagram
1: instagram at sherelle s-h-a-h-r-e-l-l-e okay or or my name spelled out um facebook is fine too okay all you know the social media thing
0: the usual spots so look out for her there look out for hopefully sherelle coming to a city near you as that starts to get happening again too yes So um, thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: All right. You'll hear it.